How we doing, church? We good? I like it. I like it. It's a good night to be in church. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we don't take it lightly that you guys join us on your Sunday evenings. I don't take it lightly that you let me get up here and, 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 and try to unpack the mysteries of the creator of everything to you in 35 minutes or less or more sometimes. But um, I, I don't take it lightly. I'm very grateful, and I love my job, and I love this family. It feels more like family every single week to me, and uh, you're part of it. And uh, today, if you're, if you're here for the first time, I kind of want to give you a heads up on what you just walked in on. You walked in on a great day. Um, you just need to know you walked in um, on week four of a seven-week conversation we've been having that we are calling Religion Rehab. And uh, today, uh, I might push your buttons a little bit, and today I might ruffle your feathers a little bit. And... Uh, um, I believe the, the human soul wants to be encouraged, but also wants to be challenged, like your soul craves that, and uh, I, 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 I've been wrestling with God all week on this, and I pray today that you feel some authority in this room, but not mine, and not, not to anybody up here playing an instrument, but the authority of our King, King Jesus, and, and I, I hope, man, that you feel Him calling you to a higher level of faith and a higher level of living, and I, I, I hope and praise something in your soul like actually likes it and like like is like oh that's what I've been wanting like if you hear something if I say something and and something in you goes oh like oh that I did not like that or how dare you say that like pay attention to to what part of you it is that is feeling that way I bet you uh, like all the money I have which is not a ton but I would bet you um it's your flesh that's feeling that however at the at the same time your soul is drinking it in like, like water on a hot Austin summer day. And uh, so pay attention to that is all I want to say. And um, man, some of you are in here and you, you feel like the warm fuzzies of the Holy Spirit. And, he, and God is closer than the very oxygen that you're breathing in right now. And that's amazing. And praise God for that and enjoy it and celebrate it. Some of you are in here and you feel like you've been in a season of darkness where God has felt so distant for so long. And uh, I, I want to encourage you, that does not necessarily mean something's wrong. And just because you don't feel something doesn't mean it's not real. Like, we, we're, we're called, but we, we know this, right? Like, we're not called to live by what we feel. We live by what we know to be true. And we can, even when we don't feel it, we're like, you are the most important preacher in your life. Nobody talks to you more than you talk to you, and it matters what you say to you. And you have the ability to preach yourself and sing yourself into the presence of God. In fact, I, 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 would, I would submit to you that's part of uh, becoming a maturing Christian. And I want to push you towards that. And if you're walking through a, a valley of darkness, uh, that does not necessarily mean that you should run away from that darkness. It might mean that you should, you should continue to walk through that darkness until you walk out of it into a greater light and resurrection than you ever thought possible on the other side. Because if we agree on one thing in this place, it's that every crucifixion is followed by a resurrection. And the greatness and goodness and bigness of the resurrection far outweighs any kind of pain of a crucifixion. And don't you 
you dare sit down in the middle of the valley or the desert or the darkness that you might find yourself standing in or walking in right now. Don't set up shop. Don't make camp there and do not sit down. You walk one day at a time, one step at a time until you walk out of that valley because here's what I know. Every valley, every desert, they all have one thing in common. They all have an ending point. I don't know when that is. Some are short, some are long, but they all end. And Jesus is not waiting for you at the end of your valley to come out the other side. Jesus is with you right smack dab in the middle of it, even if you don't feel that. And so for some of you, you need to worship tonight even though you don't feel it. And for some of you, you need to praise him tonight even though you might be in a painful season. Anybody can worship God and praise God when things are going great. That's not difficult to do. But to praise him in your pain and worship him and like sing his praises when you don't feel it and say thank you even when it feels like you don't have a whole lot to be thankful for, I'm telling you, power is unleashed over your life when you do stuff like that. There is more God to know than what you currently know and more of him to experience than what you are currently experiencing do you believe that you believe that today like tonight I want to I want to speak to you like you already are a leader like you already are bought in and sold out for the mission of Jesus you would say the cross before me and the world behind me regardless of what I feel I live by what is true not by what I feel and there is no turning back amen you believe that if you do follow me right now to John chapter 5 we're gonna read this scripture and then we're gonna get going and I believe this this is going to matter to a lot of you in this room tonight. I, I, if you don't have faith, I have faith for you. So lean in and shut out distraction right now. John 5, 1 through 9. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool, after each such disturbance, would be cured of whatever disease they had. One who had been there, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for such a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Pay attention to that question right there. And if you, it, like, if you miss the tone of Jesus' voice right here, you will miss the heart of God in this story. I used to read this and hear Jesus kind of say it this way. Like, do you even want to get well? Like, are you kidding me right now? You even lift, bro? Like, you even want to get well? If you read it that way, you miss the heart of God. Jesus is speaking this with sincerity and compassion and empathy in his voice. He sees this man who has been this way for so long, and he says, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. Tonight I want to speak to you on the topic, the God crutch. It's our title if you're taking notes, the God crutch. So Jesus, we pray for your presence to be made manifest in this building, in this space right now, God. We, as your sons and daughters, even claim this physical real estate right here in the middle of Austin 
as your space, God, to, to, have, to, to have your way in this place, God. This, this building is built for us to be in here and worship you, Jesus. And so we call your presence into this place. God, as your son who you love and who you love to, to pour out blessing on, I call upon your presence right now to come and have your way inside of every soul that is sitting in one of these chairs right here and right now. God, we don't have to twist your arm to get you to, to drop your power and presence like heaven like, like from heaven like fire. That is your delight to do. And in the name of Jesus, we boldly ask that you would do that and meet us right here and right now. And we pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right. I played Little League growing up. My brother and I, we both played Little League. We were 18 months apart, and so when I was eight and he was six or seven, we played on the same Little League team, and if you have to know, we were the best two players on the team, and that's, you know, that's neither here nor there, or maybe it is. I'm not sure, but all I know is I peaked in Little League athletically, and so I have to, like, I take what I can get, right? My brother, however, did not. He would never tell you this, but he was the captain of the basketball and football team in high school, and I know you'd like you look at him like what like and I know like he made a transition so like he's a reader now I'm looking at you you're a reader now Ryan just read just read now okay but you, you peaked longer than I did athletically and I got to give you that however in Little League uh, we were both the star players okay there was a kid on our team by the name of Peter oh Peter Oh, Peter, if you're, if you're in here really quick and your name is Peter, uh, I asked this at the 11 and one, one guy like raised his hand and it was like his first week and like, are you kidding me? Like, um, like you're named after like the OG church planner and the only human other than God to walk across literal water, okay? And so you have an awesome name. However, this Peter on our little league team was a classic embellisher, all right? Specifically like if he'd, if he'd scrape his knee like, he'd cry over spilt milk. He'd make it a bigger deal than what it actually was. So Peter played left field, and every once in a while, he'd get a pop fly hit to him. And he would, on purpose, stand, like, three feet to the side. And his suit, like, he'd wait to the last second and then, like, dive and, like, make an amazing catch. And then, like, limp back into the dugout like the wounded war hero that we all need. Thank you, Peter, right? Like, classic embellisher. Now, our dad... Our dad, first of all, he is the, like, the best dad you could ever ask for, the like, sweetest, nicest guy. He is our hero, and I'm, I'm, I'm overstating that because if I don't, you're going to hear the rest of the story and think, bro, your dad, what? Like, I'm telling you, he is our hero. He is awesome. So from that moment on, every time me or Ryan would like skin our knee or get like a paper cut or bruise our leg and start crying about it, my dad would look at us and go, okay, Peter. All right, Peter. And that's all he'd have to do. And we'd be like, no, dad, no. Like, I wasn't crying, dad. I'm not Peter. I'm not Peter, dad. That's not funny. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is exactly why Ryan is an emotionally unstable 29-year-old. And we all know him and love him. And I'm looking at him like, Ryan, I can save you hundreds, if not thousands, on therapy. I can tell you where this all started for you. This all started first week, or our first day of spring break, your seventh grade year of, not high school, middle school. But we were snowboarding in Breckenridge. And, um, and uh, on the very first run of the day... Ryan uh, was doing a, um, a heel turn down the mountain and caught his toe edge 
and his entire 70-pound body starts <laughs> somersaulting down the bunny slope. It wasn't a bunny slope. It was a green. I'll give you credit where credit is due. It was a green. However, Ryan breaks his leg doing this, okay? So poor Ryan, poor Ryan. Like, he breaks his leg. He's in the snow, staring up at the clouds, a tear in his eye. Can't move because he just broke his leg. And my dad, who is awesome, by the way, we have the best dad in the world, okay? My dad is skiing, he's a pretty good skier, like 50 yards behind Ryan, like psh, psh, doing like the slalom, and he sees Ryan and thinks Ryan's just milking it right now, and he sprays him with snow and says, see you at the bottom, Peter. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ryan's got a broken leg, and that's why he can't move, and of course, Dad felt horrible about that later, but... <laughs> Oh, gosh. So Ryan gets a cast, and he gets crutches, and here's what Ryan finds out, that you get treated differently when you have a cast and crutches. And at school, everybody held the door for him, and the bus driver stayed at the stop a little bit longer to wait for him, and the principal gave him a pass to be five minutes late to every class, and no teacher could do anything about it. Girls gave him more attention, right? Ryan. I'm so sorry, you're so brave. Can I, can I make you soup after school? I'm only 11, I can't even drive to your house to do that, nor do I know how to make soup, but can I make you soup after school? Can I, can I carry your books for you? Tell me the story again. You were snowboarding, you can snowboard? A black diamond? Wow, Ryan, you are so, oh, you poor thing, you are so, you are so brave. And then all of a sudden, six weeks later, what happened? Healing happened. All right? And the casting crutches were gone, and he was just Ryan, and nobody has held the door open for him since. <laughs> and uh, you're like, wow, you're, you're like, uh, like he, trust me, he, like, this is our love language, okay? He deserves far worse than this, so do not feel bad for him right now. Um, we all know this feeling, okay? I think we love losing the cast. And here's where I'm going with this. We all want to be healed. We all love losing the cast. But I think if we're honest, if we're honest, the crutches are hard to give up. The crutches are hard to give up. So take this framework right here and go with me again to this story because I, I want us to feel this story. We've got this man, an invalid, stuck next to the pool of Bethesda for almost four decades. And if right now you're picturing like um, a pool at a, an all-inclusive resort in Cancun with white sand and a palm tree and like a, a nice neat single file line where people hop into the pool and they get healed and hugged on their way like you're picturing the wrong thing this this scene is is complete and utter chaos this is madness this is every man for themselves this is black friday at bed bath and beyond okay this is this is religion the first one in wins that's what religion is, and this man has done nothing but lose for 38 years. And then all of a sudden, Jesus walks in onto the scene and sees him there and says, Do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? And he rightfully would say, What did you say to me? Like, excuse me? You show up and, like, I've been here for four decades you have the audacity to ask me, do you want to get healed? Like, they say there's no such thing as a dumb question. I'm like, Jesus, you just pulled it off, right? Another miracle. The, the first dumb question 
in all of his, like, do you, do you want to get well? Like, like, of, like, what's the obvious answer to that question, you guys? Do you want to get healed? Do you want to be well? Of course I do. Yes! Exclamation point. But I want to challenge you, actually, on your answer to that question. We all need some kind of healing, okay? So every single one of us in here, we say all the time, we're imperfect people together pursuing a perfect God. By the way, that's true of every church. We just, we love to say it in here, okay? And, and I, I, I try as best as I can to go first. I told God before this whole church plant adventure even started, I can't wear a cape on stage and pretend to have it all together when I know I don't. And, and he, he said back to me, I never asked you to do that. And I think, uh, I don't think any pastor should ever wear a cape. I think the world has a hero already, and his name's Jesus, and, and God doesn't need me to do that. In fact, God actually, I, I felt like he challenged me, can you be authentic even in, your, even in your struggles in front of people? And I said, actually, I think I can do that. And so I'll even, I'll, I'll go first today in everything that we talk about. Um, but some of us, guys, we have church baggage. Some of us have unforgiveness in our hearts. For somebody, maybe it's an it's a eating disorder or an addiction or shame or anxiety, suicidal thoughts, relationship dysfunction, like chronic dysfunction in your life. Like if I kept going, I'd hit you, right? And then Jesus shows up and asks the same question, do you want to get well? And before you give the, the nonchalant quick answer, well, well, yeah, well, duh, I want to get well. Like pause for a second. Notice Jesus does not ask, do you want your circumstance to change? Do you want me to fix your situation, okay? Because I think we would all say, like, hey, do you need breakthrough in your life? Well, heck, yeah, I want some breakthrough in my life. Like, I want breakthrough in my finances. I want breakthrough in my job situation. I want breakthrough in my marriage because my spouse is crazy. I want breakthrough in A, B, or C. But God, like, Jesus did not ask, do you need breakthrough in that? He did not ask, do you want it to get better? Do you want it to change? He asked, do you want you to change do you want to heal what if i told you that in order to heal you'd have to forgive do you still want to heal if you believe freedom is actually better than bitterness if you really believe that then why haven't you traded your bitterness for the freedom that jesus died to give you yet I don't know that we fully know what we're saying yes to when Jesus asked, hey, do you want to get well? Because you can live in your condition for a long time. For the rest of your life, you can actually get pretty comfy living with the very things that Jesus died to take away. Look at this guy, 38 years. And this is who he is, 38 years and counting. I think we love the idea of God changing our circumstances way more than the idea of God changing us. We want to heal but we want to keep the crutches. And so I'm going to name three crutches, and I think I'm going to hit everybody in this room. And just so you know, every one of these three crutches hits me. We want to keep the crutch, and I think the first crutch is the blame crutch. And I'll be the culprit here, okay? I'm going first. I want to be healed, but if I can be completely honest with you guys, I like having something to blame. All right, and so a lot of you know this, but for the past 10 years, I've had pretty serious chronic head pain, and I've had about a 1,000 people all over the planet pray for me for healing in the name of Jesus, and so far, 
Nothing has happened. So Doug, like, like do you want to get well? Well, yeah, I want to get well. And actually, I have the faith, and I actually believe that, that Jesus will and wants to actually heal me. I really do. But here's what I've learned in 10 years of having chronic pain. It is a wonderful, wonderful excuse when I'm having a bad day. Guys, it's my head. It's my head. It's not me. I'm, and, and it really is. Oh, guys, like Doug has a migraine. Let him off the hook. And I really do. He goes, wow, he's, he's crushing it for having chronic pain for nine, 10 years? 10 years? Like, wow. Doug, can I make you soup, right? Like, I love having, so I love the, the blame crutch because when you have this crutch, when I have this crutch, then my hiding is romanticized. It really is. Like, can I be honest with you? Like, I love my excuse. I love my blame crutch. I really do. Guys, it's not me. It's, it's the church that hurt me. It's not me. It's the person that hurt me. That person who wronged me. And yes, it is, you guys. Absolutely it is. Guys, it's not me. It's, oh, this runs in my family. It's a generational curse. Addiction is just a part of my family's lineage. Absolutely it is. 100% that's true. Guys, it's not me. It's like my dad pushed me too hard. My coach hated me for no reason. My, my boss played the, the political game. It's not me. Like this is just how I was brought up. That's not my own personal conviction. It's not me. It's the thing. And absolutely I agree with you. It is 100% the thing. Hear my heart. Like when, when we, we, my wife and I have been married for five years. For the first three years of our marriage, um, she struggled with a lot of depression that was rooted in unforgiveness towards her parents because of, because of unfaithfulness and a divorce that happened in her teenage years. And that'll mess with you. And for her, it led to depression, like pretty severe depression for the first three years of our marriage. And, and I, like, guys, like, every woman just wants to be fixed. <clears throat> nope, not true. I learned that the hard way. So write that down. That's for somebody in here. But I assumed that role. I was like, babe, do you even want to get well? Like, do you want to heal from this? Let's heal from this. We're now married. What affects you affects me. Like, do you want to get well? To which she would rightly respond, you seriously have the audacity and the nerve to ask me that question. You have no idea what this feels like. You have no idea how much of a shock this was to our family. You have no, like, your parents are happily married. How dare you ask me if I want to get well over this? And everything that she would say is 100% true. Just like everything this guy said to Jesus. I have nobody, Jesus. Are you looking around? Like, I have nobody to help me get into the pool. You got your 12 buddies? I've got nobody. And by the way, I've been here for 38 years, and absolutely every single one of those excuses is true. And I just like, like, let me validate that for you right now. Your excuses, your reasons, they're not hatchings of your imagination. They're actually valid, and they're actually real. Your excuses are real, and it's for that reason that I don't know if you really want to be healed because your excuses are too real. I don't know if I do. 
I love having something to blame. This is a wonderful crutch because if God heals my head today, you guys, then this next week, if I have a bad day, if I give a bad sermon, if, I, if I'm short with somebody, if, if I fail at my dreams, then I have absolutely nothing to blame. Healed and whole people have nothing to point at and say, guys, it's not me, it's the thing. You still want to be healed and whole? Because real healing starts where your real excuses end. Do you still want to be healed? Do you still want to be whole? Because if you do, this crutch, the blame crutch, you can't bring it with you. You've come this far, like on your faith journey with God so far, and a lot of you right now, you might feel like, like stuck, like something, something. What, what's going on? I know there's more for me. I know God has more. I know he has plans. I know they're good. I read the verse, and I, 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 I can feel it. He's got more for me, but I feel stuck. And it might be because God is saying, you're trying to take this forward where I'm leading you. And you need to drop it before you can take another step. The blame crutch. Or how about the control crutch? Number two, control. Can I be more honest with you guys? My chronic pain gets me, when I need it, a pretty powerful prescription pain pill medication. It's a lot of peace. All right? I realized that when I said it at the 11 this morning. I'm like, maybe that's why it's prophetic and why I'm preaching it. My... My pain gets me a pretty powerful pain pill prescription, okay? And here's what I've learned about medicine. I know there's no, that, that does not contribute to the sermon in any way. Um, it, like, medicine is actually God's common grace for all of us, okay? And so, like, a medication might actually be God's answered prayer for you for a season. I don't know how short. I don't know how long. I know I'm in one of those right now. For a season, here's also what I've learned, and, and by the grace of God, I, I, I'm, I don't have an addiction. I've had dependencies before. Addiction runs in my family. I am very prone to it. By the grace of God, I don't have that. But I know from feeling it, I know the control that something like this can give you in a, in a life where I feel very little control over pretty much everything. Like, I, 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 don't really, I can't really control how good this sermon is or how you'll respond to it. I can't really control the good news or the bad news that I'm going to get tomorrow or all the, the horrible things that are going to happen in the world this week. I can't control any of it. I can, I, I can control very little in this life, but I can control how I feel for the next four to six hours. And giving that up and trusting God with it, because that's the opposite of control is trust. Lean not on your own understanding. That's a beautiful verse. It is horrifying to live out in real life. And that's why for a lot of people, sobriety is actually more scary than addiction. Maybe for you it's you're afraid of saying yes to a relationship that could actually be good and godly and sanctifying in your life because that's not familiar and that requires trust. And so... You'll cling to the ones that aren't good for you or you'll run back to something familiar because you can control what's familiar. And if you attach yourself to people you know are bad for you, then you know how the story's going to end. And if you know how the story's going to end, it doesn't hurt as bad when it does. I can control this. And if Jesus came in here and said, hey, like, do you want a, a healthy 
godly, sanctifying relationship before you just say the casual, quick, well, yeah, like, I don't know. You can't control that. You might be saying yes to 60 years with no exit door of tethering your soul to another soul that you know is as broken as, as yours, right? Like when God led the Israelites out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery. We've all seen The Prince of Egypt, right? That movie finishes with like the big scene of God parting the Red Sea. Oh, so good. And then they walk across it and then all the Egyptians drown and they're, they're, they're in freedom. They're out of Egypt and then the credits roll before the story gets bad. All right? That's where they stop it. And I would too if I was doing that. Because then they get out of, out of slavery and a lot of them realized, I don't know if I actually wanted this. Because God was saying, hey guys, the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey, who wants that? Heck yeah, I want that, except I don't know. Because, you know, slavery is slavery, but it's familiar. And at least in Egypt, you know where your next meal's coming from. Freedom will cost you everything. Freedom, like living free is not just like a, a, a cool Phrase that we put on a hoodie or we name a series after it. Like, who wants to live free? Yeah, I do. I don't know that you do. I don't know that you do. Because it will cost you everything, including your control crutch. And finally, so we've got blame, we've got control, and then we've got our identity crutch. Identity crutch. Do you want to get well? Yeah. All right, well, then God is going to need that. Well, I'm the guy with the crutches, though, and it's kind of nice. And if I don't have this problem anymore, then I don't get attention for this problem anymore. And I'm the problem person. All right? I told you I might push a little bit. I, I, I want to call you to a higher level of faith, a higher level of leadership, a higher level of living. Okay? I don't want the only reason that you're not living at that level to be because nobody's called you to it. I believe your soul wants that. You have a false identity crutch. You do. All of us do. I do. I found out what mine is. Earlier this week, um, like, uh, God told me plainly, very clearly, bro, you're the performer. God called me bro. Bro, you are <laughs> the performer. Because I get a lot of attention for doing this if I do it well. And I, like, I'm being so real with you. There is so much authenticity. Like my heart is so, is so genuine. I truly, like I want you guys just to see Jesus when you show up here. Like I, I truly, I want to become as invisible as possible. So all you see is this God that I am so in love with. That is, that is my heart, I promise you. But there's also a part of me that, man, I want you to, to think as you walk out of here, man, that guy can talk about Jesus really well. And when you're really good at your false identity, it can become exhausting. I feel like God's been telling me, hey, buddy, like, I've, this gift I've given you, I've got so much more. Like, we got so much more to do, but you can't bring that with you. Because if, if you need to be the performer here, it will crush you. You think it's exhausting now, you just wait. That's a crutch that you need to drop. So what is it for you? For me, it's the performer. Are you the, the entertainer? Are you the, like, are, are you the cynic? Or like, I'm just the jerk. I'm just the, the stress ball. This is my Enneagram number. These are the struggles I have been assigned. This is who I 
am. I'm the guy by the pool who sits in this exact spot every single day. People know who I am. I say hi to the same people as they walk by. They're kind of impressed with the fact that I've been here this long. Hey, man, you, he's still there. Is that 37, 38 years? Wow. 38. It's what I'm known for. Well, do you want to get well? Yeah. Okay, well, what if I told you that healed and whole people don't get attention for being healed and whole? And what if I told you that healed and whole people don't get asked what happened and what's wrong? Do you still want to be healed and whole? Do you believe that God seeing you is enough if nobody else does? If nobody else can ask you, hey, what's wrong or what happened? Do you believe that you are worthy to be asked something else? Would you believe me if I told you that you are worthy of a conversation that is bigger than what's happened to you? Would you believe me if I told you that we actually want to know the real you, not the, not the false, fake identity you, but that people would like the real you, that we would want to know what the real you has to say? Would you believe me if I told you that? Like, seriously, that I want to know the real you. Would you believe that? In our Instagram show our best and hide the rest culture? Like, I don't know that we actually believe that to be true. Do you want to get well? Yeah. Well, what if I told you that that means you are no longer allowed to be a part of the church bashing club? As a son or daughter of of God, and this is his bride, what if being healed and whole means that you now have to be a part of the solution? Would you trade the church bashing club for... Being part of the solution? Okay, what if I told you that being part of the solution means a lot of people are going to blame you for the problem? Still want to be healed? Do you still want to be whole? What if I told you, hey, like, you're going to be called to a higher level of character and more is going to be expected of you when you are healed and whole? What if I told you you will feel opposition and you will feel resistance if you go after true healing and wholeness in your life? A few, like uh, three weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like, like 2.30 in the morning, and I woke up actually out of a, a demonic and dark dream. It was a spiritual attack. And I didn't wake up on my own. My wife actually woke me up, and she was horrified because she actually was experiencing a demonic and dark dream. And so we wake up, and you, can, like, you feel something. Even our dog, Luna, knew. Like, our house right now is under some kind of like spiritual attack. I feel something dark. I feel oppression here, right? And, and like I, I'm usually the guy who's like, I'll go downstairs. I'll check the closet for bad guys. I would love an excuse to choke somebody out or punch somebody in the face. Like a good and godly excuse to do that as a pastor, I will take that. Like I'm usually looking for that. Not that night. I'm like, I'm staying under the covers because you're like safe under covers, right? I'm like, we'll send Luna downstairs, our dog, to check out like if, uh, any noises, right? And we put worship music on and we just prayed for a little bit. And about five minutes later, all of a sudden, our our little one-year-old, Will, wakes up. We hear it on the baby monitor and he's screaming. And he doesn't do that. God's been so good to us. like, Like homeboy sleeps 12 hours a night. Truly, like praise God that he does. I know that's not true for everybody's kid. But like in this crazy church planting season, God gave us that. So this, this doesn't happen. We go and get him and bring him into our bed, and it takes us like 45 minutes to calm him down. And, and Sam said, like, is, is he sick? Is, is something wrong? And I immediately knew in my heart. I'm like, no, he's not sick. 
he had a demonic dream. So in case you're wondering how afraid the enemy is of what God's doing through Red Rocks Austin, he went after a one-year-old three weeks ago. Who takes cheap shots like that? Somebody who knows they've lost. He knows he's lost. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Jesus said, not even hell is safe from what the church of Jesus Christ is going to do. Like if you feel cheap shots in your life, say, hey, hey, devil, thanks for the confirmation and affirmation that I'm doing exactly what I should be doing right now. I take it as a compliment. And it's not slowing me down. It's not slowing me down. If anything, I'm mad now. You go after a one-year-old? Like, so what if I told you, man, and I'm not, I'm not, please, like, hear my heart. I'm, I'm in the beginning stages of this journey. But what if I told you there's oppression? And what if I told you, like, the enemy might go after your one-year-old? Do you still want to be healed? Do you still want to be whole? Do you know what being healed and whole requires of you? I don't want to say yes so casually before we understand really what freedom like entails. Because I read the story of Exodus and the Israelites and I'm like, God, I don't know if you really prepared them for what you actually meant by freedom. Because they thought they wanted it and then they crossed the Red Sea and all of them started griping and wanting to go back because slavery was just, it was just easier. Could you drop the identity crutch? Could you drop the blame crutch? Could you drop the, the control crutch? And that brings me to this point in the sermon. And, and I want to thank you guys for letting me kind of push and trusting me. Like, thank you. And it, like, it takes guts to let that happen. And I, like, I pray your soul like, actually is like, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for letting me tell you what my mom told my brother all those years ago. Your crutches have a time limit on them. And this is why I think you might be frustrated in your faith journey. I'm serious. You've come this far, and God's allowed you to bring these crutches this far. And you've seen too much of his goodness to go back. And, Ben, you can come upstage, up on stage. You've seen too much of his goodness to go back. You've seen too much of his goodness to, to turn back now. You know there's more God for you to experience. Something in your soul like your soul was designed by God. And that soul feels this God like beckoning it and calling it forward like Adele, hello from the other side. I believe that's what God is saying to your soul. However, he's saying in order to move forward, you can't bring this with you. And that's why you feel stuck and that's why you feel frustrated because you can't go back, but you can't take this. You need to drop it before you move forward. And I'm just challenging you, man, what, what, what if you did? And what if you found out firsthand that the moment you dropped this crutch was the moment you found out Jesus responded to your leap of faith? Here's what I mean by that. Like, what if, like, God, what if I say yes? What if I say yes to your question and then I stand up and I drop these crutches and I move forward and then I realize that on my own with no crutches, I still don't have what it takes on my own. And what Jesus wants to say is that that is actually the point of this whole thing. That by yourself, you actually can't. That by yourself, 
Like you don't have what it takes, that you actually do need a crutch, but it's not, it's not any of these crutches that you've had so far. God's saying you actually do need a crutch, but it's the God crutch. It's the only one that you can trust. Jesus is saying, lean on me. Do not lean on your own understanding or the things that you can control or blame or find a lowercase i identity in with your life. Lean on me and watch what I do. You absolutely need a crutch, which is why next time your non-Christian friends say to you, I can't believe, like, like seriously, this whole Christianity thing, this whole Jesus thing, man, that's such a crutch for people who are broken. You can look them in the eye and say, oh my gosh, if you only knew the half of it. Dear God, like, I'm not a Christian because I think I'm better than you. I'm a Christian because I know I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian because I'm awesome. I'm, I'm following Jesus because he's awesome. Because I know I'm desperate. Because I know, like, I, I'm not going up that ladder to make myself right with God Almighty. Like, I need somebody to come and do what I can never do on my own. I need a crutch. It's a beautiful letdown the day you realize that you on your own doesn't have what it takes. Because when you come to the end of you, you come to the beginning of Jesus. And that's where your soul soars. And so do you want to get well? Your soul does. The soul that was given to you by God knows the God who's calling it forward into the unknown. The unknown foreign territory that we call freedom with Jesus. Do you believe that this crutch will meet you on the other side of you dropping that crutch? I promise you it will. I left you like a little bit of a cliffhanger with Sam's story about her depression and unforgiveness because she held that for a long time. And I, I like pushed her so many nights, babe, do you wanna get well? There were so many nights where she was like, babe, I love you, but I do not like you right now. But she did the hard work and I gotta hand it to her. Like she felt the pain. She read the book and she released the book. And now she shelved the book. And now she's got one heck of a story to share. And it's so crazy because it, like, it, there, there came a moment where like she woke up the next morning and after like there was something that she felt like released and she was finally able to like give real forgiveness and realize that, hey, my parents are broken imperfect people just like me and they did the best they could with what they were given and, and released them from something and received part of herself back. That's what forgiveness is. It's like, it's the act of wholeness. That person, that institution, that church, they did something and they wronged you. And because they wronged you, they either took part of you or you gave part of you to them. And that's why forgiveness is actually not for them, it's for you to release them and in turn get that part back that you've been missing. And like the next morning she woke up and since then she, had, like, she has not struggled with depression since then. And I know like, hey, like medication has its place. But forgiveness did in 24 hours what antidepressants couldn't do in five years. Five years. For somebody in here, you've been trying to get well, you've been trying to heal, and there's one missing piece. And God brought you to church tonight so that he could tell you that it's, it's unforgiveness. He doesn't have that piece that's missing. They have that piece that's missing. 
except they don't know it and they're not holding on to it because they want to keep you from being whole. You're keeping it there by not releasing them. Release them. And I'm not saying, hey, this is not like, like I'm not playing games and pretending this is easy or doesn't involve pain. Like there's no quick fix for the broken human heart and pain is part of being alive and I wish it wasn't. But wounds do turn to scars and stories. And my wife now has been able to, to help so many people who are experiencing in our right now where she has been. And now she's, she's like on the other side saying, hello from the other side. I promise you, drop that crutch. Trust me, I've been there. I've done that. Drop that crutch and find out firsthand how Jesus meets you on the other side with wholeness and healing. Man, like... I. I if you feel passionless in this church right now, if you feel like God is distant, if you feel like, man, I, I, I don't feel freedom or I feel like he's distant, like when was the last time, like if you feel like your faith is at an all-time low, when was the last time that you took a leap of faith that required faith, that required trust, that required God to come through in the clutch? Because I promise you, nothing will spike your faith and raise the passion level that burns inside your chest, like dropping a crutch and dropping it behind and finding out that God's going to meet you on the other side with him and he's been waiting for you the whole time. To find out firsthand that this isn't just like the something that like other people talk about or something I read about in the Bible. Bible, but this is actually like real for me you know what that'll do for the passion in your soul like oh my gosh I've said this before but I feel like in the west like our barometer for how we measure successful churches is shifting from how big they are to how alive they are and how passionate they are God is on the hunt right now for churches full of men and women who don't just flippantly say yes to his question do you want to be healed and whole they, they, like they know what he's actually asking and yet somewhere in them, their soul, their restless soul that knows they were created for more dares enough to say yes and try this God out to see if he really will come through in the clutch and flex his muscles and do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or dream that he could in your life. And all it took was for you to drop this. And I'm not pretending that's easy for me. Like I, I drop this, I wake up the next day and I drop it again and then wake up the next week and I, I drop it again and I drop it again. And for some of you, forgiveness is gonna be the same way. You forgive him today, then you'll wake up the next morning and you gotta, you gotta forgive again and then wake up the next day and you you forgive again and maybe even like years later you're still doing that exact same pattern but I promise you God will meet you on the other side of that like I have to believe that that he is that good not to leave you hanging guys he like he he is more for your freedom and your joy and your peace and your fun and your your vitality in your life than you are even for yourself I promise you this is not for God so he can look at you and be like okay good yeah, you released that, you forgave them, you dropped that crutch. Okay, check, check, check. I, I see you. I see, like, it's not for God, it's for you. He's looking at you like, I just, I want my kids to be whole and healed. And I get that now as a dad. I look at my little son, Will, and I'm like, I just want you to be happy, buddy. I just want you to be whole. Don't you dare for a second think that God, your Father in heaven, does not think that about you right now. Don't you dare sit down in the valley or the desert that you might be walking through right now. You keep walking. Every valley, every desert has one thing in common. They all end. They all end 
And the more you, you try this, I believe the more that you will see that God comes through and the more that will lift the passion in your heart. And passion's not a feel-good emotion. I think passion is more synonymous with words like endurance and perseverance. After all, it was the passion of Jesus that enabled him to endure Friday on the cross so that he could get to Sunday. Because once again, if we know one thing and believe one thing, it's that every resurrection, every crucifixion, sorry, is followed by a resurrection. Do you wanna get healed? I believe you do. Do you wanna be made whole? I believe your soul does. Your restless soul will not rest until it is. And it's very possible to live your life, the rest of your life, 38 years plus, with the very things that Jesus died to take away from you. Man, what a, a tragedy that would be. Do you wanna get well? You do, and not because not because being whole is, is easy and not because freedom is safe, but because Jesus is king and he is good.